Welcome to Truck Stop Murder and True Crime Podcast. I am Gary Howard in your murder edition where I cover all that kid inmates from 1976 on to present day. If I can, I'm sure there's a lot of them. And I'll talk about what they did and everything like that. So if you're a return listener, thank you for tuning in. If you're a new listener, but yeah, that's what I I do on this episode here is talk about executed inmate from 1976 on because they ended the death penalty in the United States because they considered cruel and unusual punishment from 72, I believe, to 76, which I'm going to be covering right now. I'm in 83. There's only like five of them. And, but 84 is going to be a boom. It's like 21. After that, it keeps more and more and more. But as always, I always encourage you all, if you like what you listen to, help me build this so I can do this full time and be able to do my full three episodes a week. I want to do this on Mondays, my regular episode with truck stops on Wednesdays, and then I'm going to do Missing Unsolved on Friday. That's what my plan is, but being a truck driver, it's not always that easy to do that. I got to research and whatnot, but here I am. I'm going to try to do it as of right now i was going to do this truck stop but i'm saving this truck stop because i did have a do have a case i'm going to cover that's nearby here that happened by this truck stop that it hurt curd yesterday was the day that she went missing i mean it was solved later on but it was in osella georgia where it happened and i'm in douglas georgia i've been stuck here for the weekend because my company can't find a load for me I could go on and on about what, what I think is going on, but you're not here to listen to that. And I know Desiree don't like me bullshitting, so let's get to the case. And Desiree's my wife, by the way. Jimmy Lee Gray. Before I start, trigger warning, this does involve the murder of a 3-year-old and a 16-year-old girl. So if, you, if you're bothered by that, and I struggle to think about doing this, but it doesn't. One thing, the only thing that I decided I would not do in which I'm struggling right now thinking about doing one case, but a parent who brutalizes their own kid and tortures, I can't. But this is in the line of the death penalty, so there you go. But we're talking, like I said, Jimmy Lee Gray. I can't find too much about him. There are few besides it was a botched execution, but if is it really a botched execution if the end state is death, especially what he did to these two girls? How is it botched? But then does that make us evil monsters like them? I don't know. Let's talk about Jimmy Lee Gray. Was born in 1949 in Whittier, W-H-I-T-T-I-R, California. At age 18, Jimmy murdered his girlfriend, Elda Louise Prince. 16-year-old Elda was a sophomore at Parker High School in Parker, Arizona, where Jimmy was also a student and a school friend of Elda's brother, 18-year-old Irvin. The Prince family had made Jimmy welcome in their home house, even helped out buying him clothes. They also took him to ball games and on fishing trips. On the day of the murder, January 5th, 1968, Elder was to leave school early by for a doctor's appointment, and her mother, Opal, was going to the doctor's office to pick her up at 4.30. The receptionist told that Elder had not shown up, so Opal went home, presuming that her daughter had caught the school bus as usual. When she they arrived without her, when they arrived without her, Opal called the police and reported when the bus arrived without her. Opal called the police and reported her daughter missing. Jimmy went from the princess went with the princess to the sheriff's office and later that evening to help search for Elda. 
The sheriff was suspicious of Jimmy, having noticed his shoes and under question it was dirty and under questioning one why why is your shoes all muddy what's going on here and under questioning the, fo- the following day the lead the de- de- deputies to a he led the deputy ugh, why can't i talk they led the deputies to a culvert near the colorado river and showed them where he had dumped her dumped her body so yeah he just gave it to us if he you will find out even on the second murder, he doesn't take too much for him to cave in and confess to the, his crimes. The shoes patterns exactly match the prints at the crime scene. Examinations showed that Elda had been strangled and had her throat cut before being thrown into covert. It appears that Jimmy and Elda met after school and that walked home, and they walked home and they had quarreled over something about his sexual impotency, I heard. I don't know what if he had a because she says she had a small dick or couldn't keep it up long or I don't know could satisfy her but he got pissed off about it and he killed her. Eldo was kind of like a chikatilo, I guess. Eldo was buried in the Cottonwood Cemetery on the 11th of January. Jimmy was convicted only of second degree murder and received. Uh, here's where people get really pissed off after what happens on you know later on. He only received a sentence of 20 years to life. Sadly, he was released on parole after six years, despite the protest of the trial judge who regarded him as a dangerous individual, how right he would be proved. So, yeah, that was the first murder. The second murder, now, as first back to the first murder, keep in mind what kind of person this was. He was. This family brought him into their house, bought him clothes. And then how do you return them their gratitude, you know, gratitudity is to kill their daughter. But yeah, but the second murder, nothing much was heard of Jimmy until Janu- June 25th, 1976. After release for, pr- from prison, he had moved first to California and later to Mississippi. On that day, three-year-old, okay, get ready. This is when I was talking about the three-year-old. If you don't want to listen to the rest of this or fast forward about five minutes or so then i'll be okay with it you know or if you just want to skip this whole episode altogether, this is not for you i'll put another one out monday next monday i'm gonna try to but on with on that day three-year-old theresa jean scales disappeared from her parents apartment in pascola mississippi they reported he disappeared to the police around 5 p.m that afternoon Jimmy lived in the same apartment complex as the scales and was questioned by police after his neighbors mentioned that they had seen Theresa with a man with a red Volkswagen. Oh, that's an ambulance. <laughs> I thought I heard a siren going off. I was wondering what it was. There's an ambulance driving by but and was questioned. Can you hear that? Okay, maybe. Bob, I recorded all my episodes in my truck, so there you go. I'm not in no use studio or nothing i have to set up and tear this thing down so where you hear me from is recorded in my freight liner so some guy just drove walked out the gas station looking at me crazy i got my windows open shades open so yeah back to the story jimmy lived in the same apartment complex as the scales and was questioned by police after neighbors mentioned they had seen theresa with a man with a red volkswagen car whom they identified as living in the apartments when jimmy showed up to in the police in the car police noted that the lower 
legs of his jeans were wet, kind of like the first member of the police noticed it was muddy. Which he explained by his his having he had been he has been swimming in a complex pool in his pants. Under question, he admitted to them that he had taken Teresa for a ride in the country, and that on a back road he touched a little girl. He claimed that she had wandered off and fallen into a shallow ditch. He rescued her from the ditch, but put her still breathing but still breathing in the trunk of his car, which never made sense to me. Then he began homeward his homeward bound. Stopping on a bridge over Black Creek where he removed Teresa from the trunk and threw her in the water below. So which don't make no sense to me. Once again the police he led the police to the crime scene at three thirty AM the following morning. Which don't make no sense to me. He said he was trying to help her, but then again he also dumped her. That none of that makes no sense. So the medical examiner found that it what pisses me off about all that is it all pisses me off anyhow, but what puts the icing on the cake is, you know how he lured her in the car? With kittens. He said, you want to go see some kittens? And of course, it, I mean, someone told me I'm a, I'm, I'm a 52-year-old man, and I have a lot of cats in my house. So if someone asked me, do you want to see kittens? I'd be like, I'm in. That's evil. The medical examiner found that Teresa had been gagged. Well, this, well, I don't know gagged, sodomized, her underpants was forced down her throat and finally suffocated by being held face down in the mud of the ditch. Monster. So once you see what I'm talking about, now that you know what he did, what happens to him later on, you'd be like, good, fuck you, some bitch. That's what you get. Mud was found in her that she had inhaled. So let's talk about child. So yeah, second murder. Should have been in jail for the first murder, but Arizona did not do their job well and let him go. So, Jimmy came to trial in Pascola on December 13, 1976, before Judge Merrill, charged with first-degree murder and sodomy. Once again, Shoe Prince would help convict the killer, and chemical analysis would show the presence of semen in the little girl's body. Although at the time, DNA was not sufficiently advanced and able to be linked to Jimmy, it took juries just an hour to convict Jimmy, and he was then sentenced to death in the gas chamber. This is our first gas chamber one I've done. I covered fire squads, electric chairs, and lethal injections. Now, first gas chamber. Jimmy's mandatory appeal to the Mississippi Supreme Court reversed the original verdict and gave him a new trial in 1978 when Jimmy was allowed to address the jury. For some reason, addressed the jury on his own behalf. However, they were not impressed and reached the same verdict. Both juries recommended the death penalty at the conclusion of the sentencing phase as the victim's age and sodomization were aggravating factors. In 1970, which I think anybody who doesn't, you know, even if, if murder's not involved, if you do anything to a, th- that just, I have a 10-year-old right now. If you rape her, tell you what, death penalty. But a 3-year-old? I think rape should be death penalty. Here, here's another question. Hopefully somebody answered me. Should we put rape in with, uh, as a, well, I guess in Texas, if you do murder them, that is an aggravator. But just rape itself. Should rape be considered a death penalty? I think so. Because if you may not have physically murdered her, but you have mentally murdered her. How many rape victims out there who are, you could say is the same person before, for the rape, they are after the rape. You, I mean, death is not just physical; it could be mentally. 
know what I'm saying? Their life is over. They'll never be the same person they once was. So let me hear any comments on my Facebook group, Truck Summer, Truck or any of my social medias. I'll give it at the end. We up 1900. The same court upheld the verdict and sentence from sentence from the second trial. Further, almost a second murder. No second trial. Further appeals followed, including one based on the cruelty cruelty of execution by lethal gas gas. We reached the fifth, fifth sixth circuit, setting a New Orleans granted a stay of execution in July of 1983, hours before he was due to be executed. Parchment's prison chaplain. Reverend Ronald Paget told reporters that Jimmy was relieved and pleased with the decision. Mississippi Governor William Winter refused clemency, and there's a picture of him peering out thinking that he's going to get free. But guess what? No, I'll put that picture on social media. On September 1st, 1983, Supreme Court dismissed Jimmy's final appeal in a 6-3 decision, so clearing the way for his execution. The following day, Friday, September 2nd, 1983, at the Mississippi State Penitentiary, Chief Justice Warren B. Berger said, This case illustrates the recent pattern of calculated efforts to frustrate... Let me start again. This case illustrates the recent pattern of calculated efforts to frustrate valid judgment after painstaking judicial reviews over a number of years. At some point, there must be finality. I mean, it needs to be over with. It's taking too long. Mississippi State Pentry is generally known as Parchman after its first warning, J.M. Parchman, if you want to know some useful information. One of Jimmy's spiritual advisors, Reverend Joseph Engel, stated at the time, that Jimmy should not be executed because he was a devout Christian. Oh, sounds like someone else. Text, don't you? Devout Christian who committed crimes. He is a sensitive, caring, and humorous person. Humorous. H-U-M-O-R-O-U-S. I want to focus on Jimmy's humility because I am sick and tired of hearing about the crime. Well, how about the two girls' families? I bet you they'd like to hear from their daughters. So fuck you. And about 8.30 p.m. on the Thursday evening, Jimmy received Holy Communion from several ministers, according to prison officials. He had earlier had a final meal, here you go, of Mexican food, like burritos, enchiladas, and stuff like that, and strawberries and milk. Another question for y'all. What do y'all think of final meals? I, if they, I think if you could prove that if you kill somebody, you gave them an opportunity to a, fi- uh, to a final meal, so be it. You gave them one. Well, I don't think some two girls got final meals, so why should he? So, three hours before the execution, members of the Mississippi Coalition Against the Death Penalty, of course, had a peaceful candlelight protest outside the gates of the prison and outside of the governor's mansion in Jackson's, which, of course, they will show up. Now, let's go on to his execution. At 12.01 Central Daylight Time, Warden Eden Lucas gave the order to the staff to commenced execution procedures. At 12.08, Jimmy was brought, in, brought into a 20-foot by 12-foot white-painted execution room wearing a red death row jumpsuit, strapped in the gas chamber, and perforated a perforated steel chair with his head with the head of the bolus stethoscope taped to his chest. I guess that's where he could hear the heartbeat. The heavy door was closed and sealed at 12.12. The gas was released from Mississippi's executioner T. Barry Bruce operated the lever to lower, lower the cyanide pellets into the vat of sulfuric acid below the steep 
of the death penalty. So I guess like a turn, there's capsules. It turns around, drops in it, and it activates it, which brings me to let's go a little, little side story. Kind of reminds me when I was in the army, what they do with the CS gas. If anybody military listeners, and you don't know what I'm talking about, they take you in that room and they got like the hot plate. They just put the capsules on it and tell you to take your mask off and uh, well, at least they're not. We're doing stuff for you know cyanide, cyanide. Just as, but tell you what, it's not fun. Back to the story. <laughs> At this time, the head restraint shown in the photo. There's a photo of it. I'll put on that on social media too. There was no head restraint, so his head was just freely to go about. But the metal pole behind the chair was there. Fifteen officials, including journalists, watched the execution and noted that noted loving gasps followed by moans and a single loud groan. Jimmy appeared to gulp down the gas as he had no doubt been instructed to do to to hasten you'll know, try to hurry up to death try to breathe as much as you can where a lot of people will hold their breath for as long as they can and finally give in he strained against restraining straps and his head slumped forward and violently backwards hitting the metal pole which shook with such force as to rattle the whole apparatus so he's just banging his head against this thing so the exact time of death is disputed. Prison, so some people say one thing, some people say another thing. Prison officials claim that Jimmy suffocated, suffered cardiac arrest at 12:15 a.m. But the witnesses that he, wait, the witnesses saw that he was still gasping for breath and convulsing eight minutes later when they were asked to leave the witness area, according to the executive log. All movement had apparently ceased at 12.21 a.m., nine minutes after execution began. His attorney, Dennis Bals, B-A-L-S-K-E, told reporters, Jimmy had suffered a painful death. Well, good for you, Jimmy. Glad. Like I said, back to them two girls. Well, imagine what they did, what they went through. Especially a three-year-old. She don't know nothing about that. So a gold color hearse took Jimmy's body to a funeral home in Indianapolis, I-N-D, Indian, Ola, Indianola, about 40 miles away. It had claimed, it has had been claimed by a Natchez church group that had befriended him and was, bur- in, was buried in an undisclosed place, so we don't know where he's buried at. And I will give where these girls are buried at after I get done with the story. But yeah, this would be the second execution in the U.S. since the 83 and the eighth since the Supreme Court upheld the constitutional to constitutionality. And there you go. You left about that, Ezra. Of capital punishment, 1976. Mississippi previously execu- execution had been the, Tim Jackson by lethal gas on May 1st, 1964. So it's been a while for rape and murder. Same thing. Three more men would die in that gas chamber. And of course, we will get into all that in the future when I get there. And of course Jimmy's, let's talk about Jimmy's mom, the one who kicked him out, knew that he was trouble. Jimmy's mom, Verna Smith, who was living in California, urged the state of Mississippi to execute son. She said, you need to kill that son of a bitch. So he should have been never released from the first time. Ministers, social workers, and lawyers who got to know him on death row described Jimmy as being a born-again Christian. Carla P. Tucker, kind of like, and spoke to him as a sensitive, shy, gentle, and bright, and troubled. Let's just see one more person. Richard J. Darius's father told reporters, I'm glad he's gone. This is the father of the victim. I'm glad he's gone. 
Wait, let's start again. Father told reporters, I'm glad it happened. It should have happened years ago, of course. Even in prison, he had, was, he had been able to talk, to breathe, and to laugh. And he had taken all those things away from my little girl. He didn't even have the right to continue living. So, yeah. And Opal Prince, eldest mom, remember her? Hale's execution is our big day. I put better dogs to sleep than that man, she said. Said Mrs. Prince, who was the director of Rabies and Animal Control in Mohave County. She told reporters that the execution is overdue. It should have been done in 1968 in Arizona, which is true. That, you know, capital murder punishment, I mean, yeah, was still there. Capital, yeah, was still there. I thought I said corporal. Was still in effect in 1968. So, now, if it was drug out, it might have extended to the 72-73 and committed to, it could have been life without parole. But we're going to see what happens to somebody. I'm planning on covering that. He did get the death penalty. It went in 72. They got rid of it, and he ended up getting parole. We'll talk about him soon. She said, I know I came on hard, but this is a hard thing with all the jail overcrowding. Let's get back to him. There you go. Jail overcrowding. Let's get rid of the people like him and make room for the people who can be relocated. One more person. UPI reporter Don Losser, L-O-W-A-S-S-E-R, who had witnessed the gassing. Edwards, I thought, said afterwards, I thought I had some pretty hard bark on me from being in Vietnam, but I was pretty shook up about that. So, yeah, it was definitely a box execution. But you know what? I don't care. The outcome is still the same. Am I barbaric monster for thinking so? Maybe. But look what he did to three, two instant girls. One, their family helped him out, bought him clothes when he was in time of need. And then the three-year-old lured him with kittens. That's horrible. Okay, so if you want to pay respect to Elder Louise Prince, she was born November 8th, 1951. She was murdered January 5th, 1968 in Arizona and if you want to pay respects to her go to Cottonwood Cemetery 1943 North Main Street Cottonwood Town Yav I'm not even gonna say it. Yavaku Y A V A P A E I but it's in Cottonwood Arizona her let me see if it has the number dope you'll find there's her picture there you can see what she looks like but I'll post on my social medias and if you want to see where the other girls memorial, you want to pay respect, you go to all these are on Find a Grave, where you can also leave virtual flowers, like most people do. Now, her, her father passed away in 2011, Harold Franklin Prince, and her mom passed away in 2002. Now, she had a sibling that passed away in 2008. As for Dorita Jean Scales, she was born June 8, 1973, murdered in on June 25th, 1976, at age 3. She is Serene, S-E-R-E-N-E, -E -E, Memorial Garden in Moss Point, Mississippi. Her memorial ID is 914-914-5094, which I have pictures on these on my social media as well. So I would say if you enjoyed it, which I didn't enjoy telling it, but if you enjoyed me telling of the story, go to or rate anywhere you're listening to this at or you also can join patreon right now i only have one patreon a full metal decalope i want to start be able to put bonus episodes out 
I'm pretty busy with what I have right now to put episodes out to death ears. But I promise if I get one Patreon at $5, even at $1, actually the $1 I have right now is my wife. So I talked to her about it. So if I could get one Patreon at $1, $5, or $10, of course, if $10, you get the amazing drinking mug made by Mrs. Kruger. Is it Freddy Kruger's wife? Is it someone else's Kruger's wife? Well, I guess you'll find out, but you'll get an awesome truck stop murder traveling mug. Five dollars get bonus episodes at one dollar. I'm in going to put bonus episodes on the one dollar tier too. I just haven't figured out what. But yeah, do that. Or if you don't want to be a patron, PayPal me at truckstopmurder at gmail dot com on PayPal. Also, you could join my Facebook group. I'm trying to get people to talk, but it's been pretty quiet there lately. This is Truck Stop Murder True Crime Podcast. Truck Stop Murder True Crime. My Instagram is also at Truck Stop Murder True Crime. And Twitter is at Truck Murder. And you can email me at Truck Stop Murder Gmail at gmail.com. All right, then. Well, until next Monday, I'll see you later. I'm out of here. But, like I always say before I leave, you can't fix stupid, but you can sure numb it with a 2x4. Thank uh-huh.